Chapter Thirty Two of Brigands of the Moon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cheryl Martin. Brigands of the Moon by Ray Cummings. Chapter Thirty Two. I was only inactive a moment. I had thought Anita would have on her helmet, but she was reluctant. Or confused. Anita, we've got to get out of here, up through the overhead locks to the dome. Yes, she fumbled with her helmet. The climbing men on the ladder were audible. They were already nearing the top. The trapdoor was closed. Anita and I were crouching on it. There was a thick metal bar set in a depressed groove for the grid. I slid it in place. It would seal the trap for a short time. A degree of confidence came to me, we had a few moments before there could be any hand-to-hand -hand conflict. The giant electronic projector would eventually be used against Grantline. It was the brigand's most powerful weapon. Its controls were here. By heaven, I would smash them. That at least I could do. I jumped for the window. Miko's signals had stopped, but I caught a glimpse of his distant moving curve lights. A flash came up at me, as in the window I became visible to the brigands on the ship's deck. It was a small hand projector, hastily fired, for it went wide of the window. It was followed by a rain of small beams, but I was warned and dropped my head beneath the sill. The rays flashed dangerously upward through the oval opening, hissed against our vaulted roof. The air snapped and tingled with a shower of blue-red sparks, and the acrid odor of the released gases settled down upon us. The trajectory controls of the projector were beside me. I seized them, ripped and tore at them. There was a roar down on the deck. The projector had exploded. A man's agonizing scream split the confusion of sounds. It silenced the brigands on the deck. Under our floor grid, those on the ladder had been pounding at the trap door. They stopped, evidently to see what had happened. The bombardment of our windows stopped momentarily. I cautiously peered out the window again. In the wreck of the projector, three men were lying. One of them was screaming horribly. The dome side was damaged. Potan and other men were frantically investigating to see if the ship's air was hissing out. A triumph swept over me. They had not found me so meek and inoffensive as they might have thought. Anita clutched me. She still had not donned her helmet. Put on your helmet. But, Craig, put it on. I, I don't want to put it on until you put yours on. I've smashed the projector. We've stopped them coming up for a while. But they were still on the ladder under our floor. They heard our voices. They began thumping again, then pounding. They seemed now to have heavy implements. They rammed against the trap. The floor seemed holding. The square of metal grid trembled, yielding a little. But it was good for a few minutes longer. I called down, The first one who comes through will be shot. My words mingled with their oaths. There was a moment's pause, then the ramming went on. The dying man on the deck was still screaming. I whispered, I'll try an earth signal. She nodded, pale, tense, but calm. Yes, Greg, and I was thinking, it won't take a minute, have your helmet ready. I was thinking, she hurried across the room. I swung on the bot signaling apparatus. It was connected. 
Within a moment I had it humming. The fluorescent tubes lighted with their lurid glare. They painted purple the body of the giant duty man who lay sprawled at my feet. I drew on all the ship's power. The tube lights in the room quivered and went dim. I would have to hurry. Potan could shut this off from the main hull control room. I could see through the room's upper trap, the primary sending mirror mounted in the peak of the dome. It was quivering, radiant with its light energy. I sent the flash. The flattened, past full earth was up there. I knew that the western hemisphere faced the moon at this hour. I flashed in English, with the open universal earth code. Help. Grantline. And again. Help. Archimedes region near Apennines. Attacked by brigands. Send help at once. Grantline. If only it would be received. I flung off the current. Anita stood watching me intently. Greg, look! I saw that she had taken some of the glass globe bombs which lay by the foot of the ascending ladder. Greg, I threw some of them. At the window we gazed down. The globes she flung had shattered on the deck. They were darkness bombs. Through the blackness of the deck, the shouts of the brigands came up. They were stumbling about, but the ramming of our trap went on, and I saw that it was beginning to yield. We've got to go, Anita. From out of the darkness which hung like a shroud over the deck, an occasional flash came up, unaimed, wide of our windows. But the darkness was dissipating. I could see now the dim glow of the deck lights, blurred as through a heavy fog. I dropped another of the bombs. Put on your helmet. Yes, yes, I will. You put yours on. We had them adjusted in a moment. Our errands motors were pumping. I gripped her arm. Put out your helmet light. She extinguished it. I handed her my projector. Hold it a moment. I'm going to take that belt of bombs. The trap door was all but broken under the ramming blows of the men. I leaped over the body of the dead duty man, seized the belt of bombs, and strapped it around my waist. Give me the projector. She handed it to me. The trap door burst upward. A man's head and shoulders appeared. I fired a bullet into him the leaden pellet singing down through the yellow powder flash that spat from the projector's muzzle. The brigand screamed and dropped back out of sight. There was confusion at the ladder top. I flung a bomb at the broken trap. A tiny heat ray came wavering up through the opening, but went wide of us. The instrument room was in darkness. I clung to Anita. Hold on to my hand. You go first. Here's the ladder. We found it in the blackness, mounted it, and went through the cubby's roof trap. I took another look and dropped another bomb beside us. The four-foot space up here between the cubby roof and the overhead dome went black. We were momentarily concealed. Anita located the manual levers of the lock entrance. Here, Greg! I shoved at them. Fear leaped in me that they would not operate. But they swung. The tiny port opened wide to receive us. We clambered into the small air chamber. The door slid closed, just as a flash from below struck at it. The brigands had seen our cloud of darkness and were firing up through it. In a moment we were out on the dome top, a sleek, rounded spread of glassite with broad aluminite girders. There were cross ribs which gave us a footing, and occasionally projections, streamline fin tips, the casings of the upper rudder shafts, and the upstanding stubby funnels into which helicopters were folded. We moved along the central footpath and crouched by a six-foot casing. The stars and the glowing earth were over us. 
the curving dome top, a hundred feet or so in length and bulging thirty feet wide beneath us, glistened in the earthlight. It was a sheer drop and down these curving sides past the ship's hull, a hundred feet to the rocks on which the vessel rested. The towering wall of Archimedes was beside us, and beyond the brink of the ledge the thousands of feet down to the plains. I saw the lights of Miko's band down there. He had stopped signaling. His little lights were spread out, bobbing as he and his men advanced up the crater's foothills, coming to join the ship. I had an instant's glimpse. Anita and I could not stay here. The brigands would follow us up in a moment. I saw no exterior ladder. We would have to take our chances and jump. There were brigands down there on the rocks. I saw three or four helmeted figures, and they saw us. A bullet whizzed by us, and then came the flash of a hand ray. I touched Anita. Can you make the leap? Anita, dear. Again, it seemed that this must be farewell. Greg, dear one, we've got to do it. Those waiting figures would pounce on us. Anita, lie here a moment. I jumped up and ran twenty feet toward the bow, then back toward the stern, flinging down the last of my bombs. The darkness was like a cloud down there, enveloping the outer brigands, but up there we were above it, etched by the starlight and earth glow. I came back to Anita. We'll have to chance it now. Greg, goodbye, dear. I'll jump first, down this side. You follow. To leap into that black patch, with the rocks under it. Greg! She was trying to tell me to look overhead. She gestured. Greg, see? I saw it, out over the plains, a little speck amid the stars, a moving speck coming toward us. Greg, what is it? I gazed, held my breath, a moving speck out there, a blob now, and then I realized it was not a large object far away, but small and already very close, only a few hundred feet off, dropping toward the top of our dome, a narrow, flat, ten-foot object, like a wingless volplane. There were no lights on it, but in the earthlight I could see two crouching, helmeted figures riding it. Anita, don't you remember? I was swept with dawning comprehension. Back in the Grantline camp, Snap and I had discussed how to use the Planetara's gravity plates. We had gone to the wreck and secured them, had rigged this little volplane flyer. The brigands on the rock saw it now. A flash went up at it. One of the figures crouching on it opened a flexible fabric like a wing over its side. I saw another flash from below, harmlessly striking the insulated shield. I gasped to Anita. Light your helmet. It's from Grantline. Let them see us. I stood erect. The little flying platform went over us, fifty feet up, circling, dropping to the dome top. I waved my helmet light. The exit lock from below up which we had come, was near us. The advancing brigands were already in it. I had forgotten to demolish the manuals, and I saw that the darkness down on the rocks was almost gone now, dissipating in the airless night. The brigands down there began firing up at us. It was a confusion of flashing lights. I clutched at Anita. Come this way! Run! The platform barely missed our heads. It sailed lengthwise of the dome top and crashed silently on the central runway near the stern tip. Anita and I ran to it. The two helmeted figures seized us, shoved us prone on the metal platform. It was barely four feet wide, a low railing, handles with which to cling, and a tiny hooded cubby in front. 
Greg! You, Snap! It was Snap and Venza. She seized Anita, held her crouching in place. Snap flung himself face down at the controls. The brigands were out on the dome now. I took a last shot as we lifted. My bullet punctured one of them. He slid, fell scrambling off the rounded dome, and dropped out of sight. Light rays and silent flashes seemed to envelop us. Venza held the side shields higher. We tilted, swayed crazily, and then steadied. The ship's dome dropped away beneath us. The rocks of the open ledge were beneath us. Then the abyss, with the moving, climbing specks of Miko's lights far down. I saw, over the side shield, the already distant brigand ship resting on the ledge with the massive Archimedes wall behind it. A confusion back there of futile flashing rays. It all faded into a remote glow as we sailed smoothly up into the starlight and away, heading for the Grantline camp. End of chapter 32